Let's walk through Jonah chapter 4. It said that we read a moment ago, God saw the works of the people in Nineveh. They turned from their evil way. And so God uh, turned from what he had planned to do to them. And the judgment that was supposed to come was canceled. God canceled his judgment. Pretty good. So, obviously, could you imagine that we have a preacher come to town and we have a revival and uh, a meeting and, I mean, a thousand people come to the meeting and 500 of them get saved. 500 people say, we're turning from our sins, we're turning to Jesus Christ, we're putting our faith in him. 500 people change their destination from hell to heaven. And can you imagine that it would be said of whoever the preacher was, but it displeased him exceedingly. (laughs) Jonah goes into a wicked city. Now, don't underestimate the wickedness of Nineveh. It's been called the ISIS of their age. It is considered a birthplace of, of terrorism. These were some pretty bad dudes. And it really is no wonder that Jonah didn't want to go there. And he didn't want to see them turn to God. Nevertheless, God had told him to go. And now he has preached. And the whole city, the whole city from the king down, turns to the Lord. And what's the result? It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Shame on us if we're ever upset that somebody gets right with God. Verse 2. You're going to have to stay with me. We're going to read our way through the chapter, and I'm going to stop and talk a little bit. He was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord... And said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? In other words, I told you, I knew you were merciful. I knew this would happen. See, and that's why I didn't want to come here. It's pretty, I mean, this is, this is pretty bold. Therefore, I fled there uh, to Tarshish, and I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. I mean, these words have never been prayed in this spirit before. Other people have prayed, oh, you're a great God and gracious and merciful and slow to anger. That prayer has been prayed a number of times, but never in this spirit. I knew you were gracious and merciful and slow to anger and great kindness for crying out loud. And repentance thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Now, wait a minute. Jeremiah wanted to die because, or at least he wanted to quit, because he preached and nobody responded. Jonah wants to die because he preached and everybody responded. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well? To be angry. Now, I want you to note this. This is where a major test begins with that question. 
And so many times, pay attention to this, so many times, a test begins. Or I'm not a test, not a test, a lesson. A lesson from God begins with a burning question, a nagging question, a question that you can't get away from. And God asks a question. Doest thou well to be angry? And this is where the lesson begins. Doest thou well to be angry? Is this a good thing, Jonah? That you're so ticked off? Is this right? The lesson begins. So Jonah went out of the city. And he sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Now, here's the interesting thing. Don't, don't, I sound like Ricky Ricardo. Here's the interesting thing. Anyway, couldn't even re-say it. Uh, here's the interesting thing. Jonah is waiting for God to work on Nineveh. He goes up on a hillside and he says, I still believe God's going to do something and I want to see it. Jonah's waiting for God to work on Nineveh, but God goes to work on Jonah. You know, while we look at some group in this country of ours and say, I want to see God's wrath poured out on Whoever, take your pick. I think God wants to work on his people. I think I need to look at my own heart and say, God, what do you want to do today? I know you worked big yesterday, but I still need more work. I, let me refer back to the message this morning. That work of sanctification keeps going on every day. And however far God's brought you, you're not there yet. However far God's brought me, I'm not there yet. So, Whatever success and whatever, whatever progress God makes in this work of sanctification, making me more like Jesus Christ, setting me apart to him, still more needs to be done today. So, Jonah is waiting. Don't miss this. Jonah's waiting to watch God work on Nineveh. But God goes to work on Jonah. I want you to notice that in verses 6, 7, and 8, There's a phrase in each verse that is explaining the lesson. Verse 6, the Lord God prepared a gourd. Now, don't forget, it it was the Lord God who prepared the storm. And it was the Lord God who prepared the the fish in chapter 1. Now, the Lord God prepared a gourd. Verse 7, God prepared a worm. Verse 8, God prepared a vehement east wind. While Jonah's sitting on the hillside waiting for the fireworks to begin because he wants to see God pour down his wrath on Nineveh. God says, I'm not working on Nineveh. I already worked on Nineveh. I'm working on you. What an amazing Picture, an amazing lesson. So let's read the passage. The Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. 
So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So there he is. He made, he made a little booth, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, this plant begins to grow. And I mean, it's growing. There's some, some major miracle grow on there. You know, it's coming up, and wow, this is great. And it gives him shade, this, this gourd, this, this squash plant. Oh, that's great. And just about the time Jonas, you know, he's got his, his, uh, his big gulp there full of Diet Coke, and he's got everything there. He's in his booth, and he's got the, this, and he's, he's there in his, in his uh, chair. This is great. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day's day, and it smote the gourd, gourd that it withered. So God makes this plant come up to give him shade, and all of a sudden, God sends a worm. And the worm kills the plant. So just as he's watched the plant come and give him shelter and protection from the sun, now he watches it wither up and dry away. And then, verse 8, it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And I want you to notice next, the lesson began with God asking a question. Now the lesson continues with a question. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And wouldn't it be fitting at this point for Jonah to say, yeah, I see, Lord. But, but no, he goes, he said, and, and I think he screamed it. I do. I do well to be angry even unto death. Can you be honest with yourself? Hasn't there been a time when you've shaken your fist at God, maybe not openly but inwardly, and said, I do well to be angry. I have a right to be mad. I am right. And even though your anger may be pointed at some, some person, it's ultimately at God. Anytime God's dealing with you and your response is, that's not aimed at people. That's at God. And Jonah, and I guarantee you, Jonah would have said his anger was at Nineveh. Those people, I can't stand them. But his anger is at God. We can see that plainly by reading the book. I do well to be angry. Even unto death. The lesson began with a question. The lesson continued with a question. And now the lesson ends with a question. Verses 10 and 11. Doesn't sound like a question to start with, but you see by the end it's a question. Then said the Lord... Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Let me give you the summary of the lesson here. God says, Jonah, you cared about a plant. Because of what the plant did for you for one day. I care about this city. 
because of what I've been doing for them for many generations. By the way, I think it's important for us to stop and consider, ponder a little bit. God is at the birth of every human being. Some native person in a third world country that, you know, the the National Geographic channel does documentaries on and you can almost hear some commentators snickering at these pitiful people. The birth of their children, the births of their children are just as important to God and he was there for them just as he was at the birth of your child. He cares for every person who is thirsty and hungry or cold or exposed to the heat. Everyone, every time. God has an investment in every human life. Now, we could take that down the abortion road and consider that, but let's just ponder the the people on the planet. God has an investment in every human life. And this is not the message. We're not to the message yet, but should not we consider God's investment in every human life? So the summary of the lesson is, Jonah, you are all worked up because of a plant that you didn't grow, you didn't water, you didn't tend to. You care about the plant because of what the plant did for you. So you have a selfish concern. And you can't understand why I would be why I would care about an entire city that I have invested in. I've heard every word they've said good and bad I've seen their pain I've seen their heartbreak you know to us it's so easy and again this is not the message but I think it's a good place to park for just a moment take a time out that it's so easy for us to look at you know somebody on the other side of the world is causing us trouble and we you know uh, we, this is not aimed at any politician because a whole bunch of them have said it. We're just going to make a parking lot. We're just going to we're just going to bomb them back to the third century, whatever. It's so easy for us to say that, and I'm not one of those that apologizes for Hiroshima. I'm, I, you know, we 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 did the right thing and the, the the bombs and so forth. But it is so easy for us to say, "I just kill them all. Let God sort them out." But don't ever forget. That God has an investment in every human life. And Jesus died for every human soul. And this is what he's telling Jonah here. Now, interesting thought here as we look at the end of the chapter, at the end of the book. Isn't it crazy that the whole book ends with, and all so much cattle, period. Why does it end there? I think it ends there because there's nothing else to be said. You know what I see when I come to the end of the book and I see God ending the book with all so much cattle? And scholars agree that Jonah penned this. 
So you got you to gotta give him. He got right with the Lord because you don't write scripture if you're not right with God. So he is writing his own. Uh, he's tattling on himself under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I think what you see there when it ends with God saying, should not I spare Nineveh? And it ends with an all so much cattle. You can almost hear Jonah saying, um, I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> I have no answer for that. Now, here's, here's the lesson. I want to go back and look at that gourd for a minute. And we won't be much longer. But I want to ask you. In chapter 4, was Jonah in the will of God? Absolutely not. Of course not. Okay? But when Jonah sat there and watched that gourd began to grow... And don't forget, he's soothing his own anger. He's massaging his own anger here. He's convincing himself, I am right, I am right, I am right. And he's watching the plant grow. Could Jonah have taken the growth of the gourd as a sign of God's approval? See. By the way, let me say, My personal opinion is God did not speak audibly to Jonah. That's my opinion. I think he was led of the Lord with with an impulse in the heart. Now, that's not, that's probably not an important question, except that when you don't hear it audibly, there's more room for second-guessing yourself. And there's also more room for tuning God out. Oh, that wasn't God. That was just my, you know, my whatever, my oversensitive conscience. So, when Jonah hears, doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? And he doesn't answer the first time. But he goes up on the hillside to watch Nineveh burn. And all of a sudden, he's built a little booth for himself, and all of a sudden, this plant just begins to grow i mean when you can watch a plant grow that's pretty cool he's he's man this is awesome see god must be favoring me oh see i was right after all i was right i think jonah probably did take that plant as god's approval of his anger but was god approving of his anger no The gourd was actually God teaching Jonah a huge lesson. So here's the question before we say goodbye. How do you know the difference between a blessing and a lesson? I don't ever want to take a lesson from God as he's congratulating me for my wrongdoing. How do you know the difference between a blessing and a lesson? Let me try to answer that from the the story here. We've got to know that God is always teaching. God is always teaching. So since God is always teaching, take every blessing, every blessing as a lesson. That means when a blessing comes your way, Thank God for it 
and then ask him to show you what he wants you to see. And be willing to accept whatever his answer is. So here you are, you're Jonah. You've got anger in your heart. But you're trying to tell yourself, but it's okay, it's justified, because they're wicked and I'm the man of God. So it's all good. And here I am, and I built this booth, and here I am, and here comes this, this plant. And, it's, and man, oh yeah, see? I told you, whoever you are, I told you, God's in my corner. Here comes the, the gourd, the plant. I mean, uh, he's giving me some shade, some shelter. This is wonderful. This is great. Instead of doing that, Jonah should have said, oh, Lord, thank you. Now, something happens when you say a genuine thank you to God. You suddenly have humility enter your heart. Thank you, Lord. When humility enters your heart, your heart opens to God. So you never go wrong by giving God thanks. God, thank you. Thank you. Now, what are you showing me here? What are you showing me here? Now, let me stop and concede. Jonah learned the lesson anyway, even though he didn't stop and thank God for the gourd. The fact that Jonah learned the lesson anyway was a show of God's mercy. Because when we are so caught up in our pride and anger, God can just keep going and leave us behind. He's not obligated. You know what? You want to stay there? Stay there. I I got other things to do. Let me know when you want to get back on board with me. But mercifully, God says, all right, you're still, you're still, you're not even thanking me for the gourd. But I'm still going to lesson, got a lesson I'm going to show you. Blessing comes. What is this? Is this, is this a gift from God or is this, a, is this something I need to pay attention to? One easy way to find out. Thank the Lord for it. Say, God, show me what you want to show me. You never go wrong by thanking God. You never go wrong by seeking instruction. You always go wrong by assuming that you're right. You always go wrong by granting yourself God's approval. You always go wrong by granting yourself a well done. Can I remind you, it's God who tells you well done. So don't give one to yourself. Don't pass out a well, well, uh, well done. God's good and faithful servant. You got her done today. The Bible talks about approaching things with fear and trembling. Oh, what, what does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to... No, it doesn't mean that. It means that everything we approach, we are supposed to, as they say nowadays, handle it with kid gloves. In other words, oh, I want to get this right. Oh, God, help me to get this right. Sunday school teacher, do you approach every class time with that? Oh, I hope I get this right. Or is it just, well, it's just a Sunday school class. I hope we understand who we have in our care every time we teach. I know I've told this a million times, but it bears repeating. In Chicago, when D.L. Moody had that tremendous church and Sunday school, and a lot of their ministry was sending teachers out into neighborhoods, and much like we would have bus routes, he would have neighborhoods where teachers would go out and assemble people in the neighborhood during church time. 
So instead of being in church, you might be out, uh, somebody might be down on Osborne Street and uh, gathering uh, people at Osborne Street and, and uh, uh, somebody else might be in Mill Ridge and somebody else might be in Fairfield Ridge and like that all over, all over Danbury. And they were like that all over Chicago. So the people who ran those areas, they weren't in church. And they were out running and they would visit beforehand just like we do visit beforehand to to push and and uh, to get an idea of how it's going to go so on this particular uh sunday there was a lady that had visited her her sunday school area and realized at the end of visiting that there was only going to be three little boys there the next day so she went back to those three and said, since almost nobody's coming today or tomorrow, uh, let's just skip it for this week and, and I'll see you next week. Because this is a chance for me to go and get to hear Mr. Moody preach. I don't get to hear Mr. Moody preach much on Sunday morning. So she was in the service and after the service, Mr. Moody noticed that she was there. She wasn't usually there. And he went to her and he said, Miss so-and-so. Uh, you were in the morning service today, and I was one, I'm just wondering why. She said, well, I visited my, my area, and she said, I just uh, decided that I was only going to have three little boys today, so I just decided I would just cancel for this week and let it be next week. And uh, you can leave there. It's all right. Thanks. I thought I'd cancel today, and we'll do it next week. And Mr. Moody said, ma'am, how do you know that the three little boys that were going to be in your class weren't Bunyan and Whitfield and Wesley? Don't ever underestimate who's sitting in that class. We need to approach it with fear and trembling. And, and that's the Bible talks about approaching things with fear and trembling instead of with the arrogance and the pride that we approach. Well, I got this. I got this. I told you the story this morning about the guitar string yesterday. I think one reason God lets those things happen is to, 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 to make sure I keep with fear. and try. Anytime I pick up the guitar, I am. Cause, but especially when at the last minute we're stringing guitars at two minutes before the wedding begins. It's a reminder to approach it with fear and trembling. It's a reminder to keep me, God, I need you. I need you. And every time we take up the Bible, every time we step into the choir, every time we go to the classroom, every time we go to the door, every time we need to approach it with fear and trembling. And we need to approach our entire lives with fear and trembling. When you have a difficulty, when you have a challenge, don't grant yourself a passing grade. Jonah was granting himself a passing grade, and God said, class isn't over yet. The test isn't over yet. The Bible says of Daniel in Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel chastened himself. The angel came to Daniel and said, God saw that you chastened yourself. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here, but do you know what that means? Really, it means that Daniel gave himself a spanking. If we would chasten ourselves instead of, as Jonah did, granting yourself a passing grade, well, I know one thing, I know I'm right here. Yes, I am right to be angry, God! Versus Daniel 
He chastened himself. Oh, God, I'm so wicked. Daniel's one of the godliest men in the whole Bible. God, I'm so wicked. Oh, God, forgive me for my sin. If you will live where Daniel lived instead of where Jonah lived, you would see God do wonderful things in your life. I remember this story. We're almost finished here. Of a successful businessman, and someone was in his office, and uh, he had built a, a, a very successful business, and his office was above the factory floor. And he had a window that looked out on the floor there, and so someone had come to ask him to say, "How you know, you started from nothing. You started with nothing, and look at this, this multi-million dollar corporation here that you run, and how did you do it? How did you get from nothing to this great success? And he pointed out to the person asking the question, he had a window there. Right next to the window, he had a mirror. And at, when you looked out the window, you could see all the people that worked for, for him. He said, here's how I've operated all these years. He said, when I succeed, I look out the window and realize they have brought the success. When I fail, I look in the mirror and I say, he has brought me the failure. You say, well, pastor, isn't it, isn't it possible to be wrong about that, to give them too much credit and to give yourself too much responsibility for the failure? I'll tell you, you'll go wrong a lot less with that philosophy than you will with, and there's been plenty of people that when they fail, they look out the window. When they succeed, they look in the mirror. You'll never find success with God if you spend your life like Jonah did in this one instance trying to prove that you're right. I am right to be mad! Wow, what a, what a pitiful picture of a prophet. I don't want to be there. Always look for the lesson. Humble yourself, thank him for the blessing, but look for the lesson. Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? I need to grow. I need to change. I need to be stronger. What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Let's stand together tonight. Are you letting God teach you? Or are you going through the days of your lives, just the days of your life, just insisting? I know I'm right. They don't live in Jonahville. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Help me to humble myself. Always help me to look in the mirror.